Welcome to Tusk Talk. This is the third episode um, of the Tusk Talk podcast, and with me tonight I have uh, Andrew Wright. How's it going? And I have uh, Evan Nyquist. Hello. Uh, as we speak, Evan is putting the finishing touches on his uh, flyer for a new legacy series that will be starting in Atlanta, uh, December sixth. We're gonna have it's gonna be a thirty dollar entry in the. The top eight is going to basically include a set of dual lands, um, one of each revised duels. So um, for all the news of Legacy's demise, hopefully we can get a great turnout for this event. And uh, we'll post a link to it in the show notes. Um, but on that note, we're here, we're recording this on uh, the 2nd of November, which puts us um, less than a week out from GP Seattle. And... Uh, we have some new results since our last podcast. We had a uh, we had a Star City in St. Louis that was a two day legacy, uh, which would be the biggest event since Eternal Weekend or the biggest legacy event. Sorry, since Eternal Weekend. And we also got a smaller uh, Sunday thing that I can't remember what they're called in Dallas, uh, also as a result. So um, the Star City. St. Louis event was won by Infect, I believe. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, I was one, yeah, Tom Ross. I'm really is that the boss? The boss. Okay, good. Um, hold on. I should be more prepared than this. I like him. He used to play zoo. That's what I like about him. Alright. I mean I like his jacket. That's what I like about him. I mean I think yeah. a, like a man with a What do you like about him, Andrew? Uh I like his token. <laughs> I actually, in preparation for this uh, GP uh, and lacking anything better to watch at the gym, I was I watched a lot of the, the recorded matches here. Um, so just to break the top eight down for our listeners who who um, who may have this uh, in their ear holes and not have access to the internet. First place we had Tom Ross with Infect. Uh, then we had Storm. Rug Delver, Bant, uh, Shardless, uh, Death and Taxes, Miracles, and another Shardless deck that rounded out the top, the top eight. Um, the top sixteen had nothing we haven't seen before, but um, one other copy of Shardless Bug. Um, the only non-brainstorm decks was a Mono Red Sneak Attack that snuck in. <laughs> At 16th, uh, Shave Dave Jund at 14th, uh, Painter, Painter and Lands decks, and then the aforementioned Death and Taxes deck that finished 6th that splashed red for bad cards like Magus of the Moon for some reason, and uh, Cyborg cards, Goblin Sharpshooter, that's pretty sick, and Sudden Demise, which is... Certainly good against um, Elves and probably Merfolk and other other creature decks. Hello, um, Sudden Demise. I think it's a good card. Yeah, in the Skyfang Mountain, one misstep can mean the end of an entire clan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a good card. I I uh, picked up a couple of those when they first came out. I was playing it in. Uh, in Blood Moon decks to just wipe out elves as well. It looks like uh, the uh, the internet has 
put it in death and taxes um, as a I assume a hedge against the elf matchup, which seems sort of miserable for the death and taxes player. I haven't played a lot of death and taxes, but um, I imagine just any deck with just four sorts of plowshares is probably going to be swimming uphill against the elves. Um, but he also has three Magus of the Moon, which, I don't know, I guess the idea is Magus of the Moon is just this insane blowout against Bug and maybe Rug, not really Rug, but Bug and Lands. Lands, yeah. Well, does Lands even care? They have like four Punishing Fires, right? So you'd need like Mother, you'd need a Mother alive and... I guess if Mother's alive and you can stop the first Punishing Fire, they can never get it back. I guess that's okay. I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, the deck punishes decks with shitty mana bases anyway, so I'm not sure why Magus, like, why Grey Ogre makes it any better. Grey Ogre shutting off uh, all your ports, all your wastes, all your Caracas. But anyway, that was a... Um, and that was a... How many people played in that? Ah, I don't know. I assume the St. Louis event was kind of large. The Dallas event was kind of small. It was only 90s. Oh, we, the St. Louis event, we should talk about uh, the the retreat and the night. That, that deck. The, um. Yeah, I watched his matches, and i um, pretty sure if that card had just been True Name Nemesis, his match right. wouldn't have played out any differently. The matches I saw him winning were on the back of just getting knight over and over and over again, and uh, watched his reanimator match, and, and that was just sort of um, dictated by him having access to just natural Caracas in his hand. So I think uh, it's cool that he gave it a go with that card. Um, not sure. I'd have to play with it a little bit to see if I wanted to spend my second turn casting that or just casting a true name nemesis, but um, I don't know. It would be interesting to know over the course of the event how many times uh, the insta-win factor of having active night and retreat made a difference. Um, I'm sure there were some matches where it was better than a true name, but uh, he's, he's not running true name. In fact, he's running Vendillion Clicks, two Vendillion Clicks. So, yeah, it's a cool deck. I don't know... Um, I don't know how excited I'd be about, again, playing it over, or just playing that card over something like True Name Nemesis. So, um, yeah. We did, what, what, what was our final, we did review that card in our set review, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we um, talked about it. Um, uh, and then we've got Rug Delver, that's the same Rug Delver guy who dazed the guy uh, who cast Seething Song with a mana in his pool. And uh, and that guy went on to finish third, so that's encouraging for uh, uh, for Legacy, I guess, as a format. Um, of note, in his rug deck, he's playing a Dismember, and he's playing two Gitaxian probes, even in a, uh, a Delveless meta, I guess, just as a way to build Thresh faster and I guess make better make better decisions, you know, like dazing when your opponent has no mana in their pool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anyway, I think in the prior week we talked about how Infect was such a beating now, and uh, 
it put two decks in the top 16. Or, sorry, put two copies in the top 16. I'm looking, I'm looking all the way down to the uh, 32nd place results here. Strong deck, man. Yeah, I watched those matches, too. I mean, there were a couple of times, and he, the Tom Ross was even, uh, you know, he was, he, he had sort of had this look on his face, like I got a little bit lucky, but yeah, he, he had a couple of turns where he either gassed into a brainstorm that just produced massive amounts of fuel, um, but he, he's really conservative. He squeezes every last point out of, uh, his uh, his creatures in that deck. So I think there's also some inexperience playing against in fact, like see a lot of people really suboptimally use their removal against Infect. And um you know, I think uh, if your opponents in a long event, maybe like a GP, don't play a lot of legacy and don't play against that deck a lot, you can have a leg up on people because they, they they're so used to using their removal at certain times. Um and I, I watched a couple of the matches on camera and saw a couple of times when the person just didn't use didn't use the removal really uh, in the in the correct manner. Like, um, I think against in fact you you pretty much want to let them attack and you want to grab your pen and act like you're writing on your scorecard. You know what I mean? And let them let them sort of dictate what happens, and then if they do nothing, you want to be you want to be using their your removal at the end of their turn after their combat step. Um. So, but looks like he preyed upon a field, and then uh, no. the the storm matchup. You know, he's they just have so much counter magic, and your your cl- the clock is so vicious. Um, I mean, if you think about infect and like. A noble hierarch and a glistener elf. It's effectively a, like a four-four, right? It's like attacking with a four-four for one, right? Um, and then invigorate just being just such a donkey punch of a fucking card, like just a free. I mean, free spells are awesome anyway. But look at the look at the composition of that deck. I mean, what other deck runs uh, four, seven? How many dazes does he have? Three? He runs a full ten free spells. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So they just the deck just maximizes its its mana. And um And even like become immense is like cheap with the delve mechanic and then you know, Berserk is so cheap. It's just yeah, everything's cheap in that deck almost. Yeah, I you know, I've had I've gotten just aped by the deck many times. Um but it's definitely a deck to be cognizant of for this GP. If I can pick up a fourth beta trot, maybe I'll play it. Um, I think we may or may not have been joined by Brian Plattenberg or someone stealing his computer. Yeah, I'm here now. Excellent. Sorry, I'm late. No, no, no worries. Um, we were just going over the Star City results from uh, St. Louis first. Um and sort of walking through what looks look like the decks to beat for the GP, and um, I think in fact as a deck A, people will pick up new players can new players can pick it up and have great success just off the back of random oops I wins or people tapping out at the wrong times, and then you get a really good player uh, like Tom who almost exclusively plays this deck, and it seems like he can get every little edge out of it. Um, and then he got a little bit lucky too, and that was 
I was all needed to win. So I, did, I don't know if you got a chance to. I know you've played against Infect a lot and find it to be miserable. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely frustrating. They, they make it really hard to interact when you want to. And sometimes if, if you wait, you interact on their end step, you can end up in a situation where you get blown out and injured dead. So, Yeah, I don't know what the, the... There might not ever be a completely right answer as to when to try to sneak your removal in because if the Infect player is patient, they can, they'll can just play the long game and just one, one, two, two, one, one. And then you put yourself in a position where you can be dead to, like, crop rotation, for example. Like, or they only need one pump spell, or... Um, right, or uh, what's what's the blue guy that's unblockable? If they can land him late, that, that gets all in as well. Yeah, the blighted agent, yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say that's probably one of the decks to beat. Um, Storm placed high, I, I don't know, in a large GP, I don't feel like a GP. You know, I, I always think with these events, and it looks like we're going to hit the, or it's November 2nd, it looks like we're about to hit the cap pretty soon. So it's going to be 2,000 people, and I would wager that 500 to 750 of them don't play Legacy on a regular basis. I think that might even be low. (laughs) You see, half the field doesn't play Legacy on a regular basis. I would bet you it's close to (laughs) 1,500, 2,000 in this week. Anyway, my point being is that, you know, if if that's the majority of the field or half the field, then, you know, nobody just buys a Storm deck and just uh, shows up at a GP, I don't think. I would expect Rug and Infect and Burn and Shave Dave Jund. I don't know. It shocks me the amount of people who just buy Miracles, too. Like, I would say that nobody would ever do that, but then I come to these... Star City events, and I see people who don't understand how triggers work and don't understand how the miracle mechanic itself works. So yeah, I, I don't get it. That's not where you should be starting. No, but anyway, like that. That um, and then of course there's always the, the the budget factor that sort of plays in. If you've got a, a legacy GP, I feel like the first couple rounds you tend to be swimming in with some budget decks or some. A lot of the oddball decks. I, for example, the last the last Legacy GP that I went to was in Grand Prix, uh, Washington D.C. in the bombed out Sam's Club, and uh, I had no buys. In round one, uh, I you know I was getting myself psyched up for a long day of Legacy, and um, I opened up on a Chalice on one with my Moat Stompy deck, and I was feeling good. Sick. Yeah, he laid out a mountain pass. I was like, okay, this guy might be on burn. Um, I played a morph face down, passed. He laid a second mountain, and he played Clark's Thumb. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you not familiar with, uh, I, I don't actually know who Clark is, but uh, Clark's Thumb says, whenever you you flip a coin, if you would flip a coin, instead. Flip two coins and ignore ignore one. That's sick. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this guy have to borrow a coin? (laughs) Very okay. Yes. So the very first, very, I am completely perplexed at what this man is going to do. And he, uh, uh, I think I untap. Yeah, I untap and play another land attack and flip my exalted angel. And he untaps. Lays a third mismatched mountain, 
and casts casts card Fiery Gambit. <laughs> and um and then he stares at me and I read Fiery Gambit, of course, having never seen this card in my life. And I just just stare into his face, and he goes, do you have a coin? (laughs) (laughs) You're showing up. You're at a Grand Prix. You're in a coin flip deck for some reason. You don't have your own coin. You don't have your own coin. You should have, like, a real nice coin, too. Like, something special. Oh, I'd have, like, a two-faced special. Yeah, two-faced. Yeah, like, on one side. I might have an actual, like, pirate coin salvaged from... Some wreck in, yeah. in the Arctic. Or chocolate coin. Anyway, so I'm like, resolves. And so he just starts flipping a fucking coin. For those of you who don't know how Fiery Gambit works, uh, it just says, flip a coin until you lose a flip or choose to stop flipping. If you lose a flip, Fiery Gambit has no effect. If you win one or more flips, it's lightning bolt, or it's, it's three to a creature. Yeah, I think it's only creatures. If you win two or more flips... No, no, it gets better. If you win two or more flips, it sixes each opponent. And this is the, this is the nut high. If you win three or more flips, draw nine cards. And all land you can. So, sure enough, this guy, this guy gets, gets me with the nut, fiery gambits me... Three is my exalted angel, which does nothing. Uh, six is me in my face. Um, draw and then promptly draws nine cards, untaps and casts another favorite called the game of Chas. Jesus. And there's no chance anyone knows what that does. No, no chance. Well, I actually, I actually did know because it was an Ice Age favorite. But um, well, there's no one listening to this that actually knows. So, so he's like Storm is like two. He's untapped all of his mountains, and he he fires off Game of Chaos. He just drew nine cards, and the best card that he could think to fire off at me is Game of Chaos. Actually, to be honest, if he had another fiery gambit, he probably would have won the game because he would have shot my archangel again, sticks to me. I mean, anyway. So here's where things went south for him. He he initiates the Game of Chaos, flips a coin. And just immediately loses and loses again. So, like, I get out of the Game of Chaos. I think he was looking to take that all away because Game of Chaos reads, flip a coin, if you win the flip, you gain a life and the target opponent loses a life. And then you decide whether to flip. And then if you lose the flip, you lose a life and the opponent gains a life, but the opponent decides whether to flip again. So I put the fucking giant X up in front of that. The the life stakes also are doubled. Yeah, yeah, sorry, every... (laughs) Every flip, you double the stakes. So, anyway, I untap and just cast Armageddon, and he loses the game. But um, my point to that story was not that Karpstum is or is not an effective magic guard, um, but just that in the early rounds of these legacy GPs, you can you can end up against some fucking weirdos um, on some weird shit, which is fun. You know, it makes for great stories, but, like, the real bummer is, you know, you lose to a Karp's Thumb deck. And yeah, I almost lost to a Stuffy Doll deck. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird things you just can't predict. But, um, so, back to our metagame analysis. So I think Infect would be a deck you might expect in the first few rounds. Probably Burn. I think that's always a uh, always lurking on these large events. Yeah. 
Um, elves, I guess. Is elves a cheap deck anymore? I don't think it's cheap. I think Cradles and Natural Order are expensive enough to keep people out of it. Okay. Uh, well, I John, if, if people are on a modern deck, is fairly cheap. Right, right, yeah. If you have the Goyfs, then the, the, you're looking at the cheapest duels at that point. Right, right. And I um, guess all that, I guess Grove they wouldn't have, which is actually more expensive than the duels. As crazy as that is. Yeah, that is crazy. That is fucking crazy. Um... Yeah, so right, John... No, they have it. They're just Punishing Fires in Hand of Modern, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punishing so Fires in Hand of Modern. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Grove, Grove has just played a shit Taiga in Modern. Like, it doesn't actually get anything back. It just, right, right. It's just Taiga. Um, so, yeah, so maybe those are... And then, I, you know, I just... For me, it seems like it seems like everybody has a copy of Rug Delver to lend. I, I see people playing that deck all the time in these Star Cities, and they don't know how anything works, but they somehow get a copy of this deck. Yeah. It's like... Like, you can go to your local, uh, you know, EBT fucking place and get a... It's everywhere, and people have no idea how to play it. I, I used to think it was an expensive deck, but I just think people have it to lend. I don't know. Anyway, I, I would expect to see a lot of Rug Delver. It's just really popular and pretty easy to play. And um, I guess Shardless looks like a deck to beat, yeah, too. there definitely should be a lot of that, and you, don't, you really don't need to, to make too many decisions with that. Yeah, I mean, the deck seems very linear. I mean, when people aren't even properly brainstorming the vision back on top of their library before they cast the agent on camera, um, <laughs> and still winning, like, it's probably a, a powerful deck. I don't know. The, uh, Andrew, you uh, you interneted it for a few weeks. What, what are your What's your take on that deck? I think it's really good. I think it's it's pretty fun, too. So, I mean, but you are right. It's pretty linear, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a lot of it up there. I mean, what... What decks really can beat him to Turok right now? That's what you got to ask. Yeah, getting him sucks. Um, I don't know enough about Shardless playing it. Um, unfortunately, the inventor of Shardless Bug uh, no longer plays Magic in Atlanta anymore after he met the long arm of the law. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, just look, looking at the list, it just looks like a pile of the best green, black, and blue cards, and um, I guess on its best draw, it is pretty difficult to deal with with everything, being a two-for-one or a three-for-one, right? Yeah. How, how do you, uh, have you got a chance, Brian, to play against it a lot with Miracles? Yeah, and it's pretty much the same as it was before Dig Through Time, right? Mm-hmm. None, of the, none of the new cards really matter. I think Council's Judgment and Karanos were the last big changes there. Okay. Um... Uh, Basically, if you can get to the late game and you're not dead and they don't have Liliana in play, it's I find it pretty favorable. Right. So, I mean, uh, Justin, who's a local Chargers player here, got to the point where he was just boarding in all kinds of weird things to try to beat me. <laughs> I'm not worried about that, man. I think he had, like, a five-mana mill jace at one point. And <laughs> That's a bold plan. Um, I, I look at the sideboard here. Oh, it looks like they're... They have the gentleman's scrubland to support. God, this mana base is. Yeah, a lot of them have a scrubland or a savannah to play. I think it's just meddling mage out of the board. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at here. Meddling mage. Uh, hold on, let's see what the highest placing Charlotte Soul Tie list is. Devin Kopaka, Kopaki, Kopaki, and then eighth place is Matthew something else. Matthew Tickle. 
looks like their lists are pretty close. Same thing, yeah, they got the gentleman scrub, yeah, to support meddling mage, meddling mage. Um, what is the card that they are naming with meddling mage? Sneak attack. Uh, yeah, sneak attack, show and tell. Um, Storm cards. Yeah, I think most of their combo matchups are pretty bad. Yeah, I'm looking at the one guy ran four fours. This guy ran three fours. Um, and then you have Thoughtseize or him. Looks like uh, the eighth place guy said two him, two Thoughtseize, with another Thoughtseize in the board. And then uh, the guy who placed slightly higher, and of course in the top eight, these are pretty fickle. I mean, one one card or another could have gone the other way. Uh, yeah, so the guy who placed. Fifth had two hymns, no thoughtsies, three thoughtsies in the sideboard, and the last two hymns also in his sideboard. So wow. he can okay. board up to three thoughtsies for him. So I guess in a vacuum, like a, this, this deck should be more maybe consistent than a deck like like Jund, another hymn deck, because uh, you've got visions and brainstorm and blue, blue cards, right? Right. And Baleful Strix. I guess Baleful Strix right now is pretty good. And uh, against the Delver decks, that's a pretty sick card to have access to. It's like always going to be a two for one pretty much, unless it's after sideboarding. Yeah, I guess if a deck, any combo deck running Layla in a Sanctity will be pretty good against Shardless Bug right now. Uh, oh, you mean the, the Sneak or the Sneak Show decks that, that board yeah, I mean, White just, Leyline? Yeah, because yeah, due to all the Cascade guys in the deck, you can't really play spell pierces or, or spells like that, so you have to, you're relying solely on your discard. If that's if that gets shut down, all you have to have is Force of Will. Right. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of them have those meddling mages. Yeah. Right, so meddling mages, and then I guess Golgari Charm, can they play that? Can they, you know, yeah, I've, I've seen people play it, yeah. Seems like it's pretty good against elves as well. I mean, I've said it before, but like, the sneak and show guy who gets a good six hard can six card hand plus a white ley line is just gonna win the whole event anyway. I mean that the odds aren't on it to get a good hand and a white ley line that often. So But a deck like Enchantress, I've played Enchantress against Bug, uh Del Bug Delver and Charlotte's Bug quite a bit. And um they can't they have no hope basically against Enchantress. Uh if I get if I land a ley line. Um, Games two or three. Yeah, they have to get lucky with that Golgari Charm. I don't, or maybe Liliana. I don't think they have another answer. Yeah, not really. That's just, so. That's that's what I'm looking at then. So Infect, Soltar, um, Shardless, Jund, I guess Rug. I mean, none of these decks are really. You know, just, I, I think at this point, it's hard to expect, especially with Battle for Zendikar being such a such a pile. Uh, a whole lot of new decks to emerge. Um, yeah. Well, the, the Sneak Attack deck, Sneak and Show, what, what have you, still exists. Yeah, and it's like, it's you know, we, ne- we never had um, we never had Sneak Show around without Delve and with Containment Priest. So I'm looking at these results in, like, in St. Louis, for example, here. Um, I'm trying to look at the top 32, and I don't see... There's one mono-red Sneak Attack... And then a sneak show in twenty first. Yeah, so uh, maybe just the, the priest is too much. Exactly, yeah. Just priest is such a beating for that deck. Um, 
And I assume most of the Miracles lists have some number of priests, if only for elves, right? Yeah, a lot of people are, are on one, but I'm closer to two, but it, it's out there. Let me see, is even the Death and Taxes deck running Contain Priest? Yeah, yeah that's what it should be. Even a deck with four Aether Vials is fine with running Contain Priest. Um, let me see, the highest placing Miracles... Let's see, the highest placing Miracles deck at St. Louis was um, uh, Tianyi Zhao... And he, he is, his sideboard looks like a fucking German Highlander deck. It's like one of everything. He has, he in fact has one Monastery Mentor, one Meddling Mage, one Containment Priest. Yeah. One Meddling Mage, that's a, an interesting yeah. decision. Yep, one, one Meddling Mage. Uh, I mean, I guess the argument for a bunch of ones in Miracles is you're just masturbating with top for fucking 20 minutes, so you're going to see a lot of guards. And I guess yeah. uh, some of them cut across multiple multiple decks. So, like, here, here's a here's a useful exercise. Are you looking at the same deck I am here? Let me copy and paste this. Uh, I can pull it up, or if you have the link. I mean, it's not your exact miracles list, but just for the sake of argument, uh, it's a list that top aided on sure. two, a two-day open, so it probably has some merit. Um, so if you look at his sideboard, like, what would you bring in against elves? So you get explosives as an extra wrath. Cannonist is good against the glib straws. Containment priest is good. Static caster is another wrath. Uh, meddling mage, if you can get it down and name abrupt decay, keeps them off. Ever right. killing counterbalance. Uh, Flusterstorm, I actually like. I know a lot of people don't. I like it. It, it deals with natural order glimpse and nature's claim. Yeah, they uh, have. Uh, brings unseen. Yeah, they have to have the actual hoof in hand. And I would think about one of the wear tear disenchant effects as, and, and maybe surgical extraction as well. So is that add out answers to respect Null Rod? Yeah, Null Rod. I've seen Sylvan Library, Pything Needle. Okay, yeah, yeah. So what are you taking out? Obviously the Red Blast. Um, uh, do you board out Force, or do you, do you have to respect Natural Order so much that... I, I'd prefer to keep for a sec. I would take out the counterspell because there's not a lot of games where it goes that long and you can leave blue blue up. Right. Um, Venture seems like it's really slow, although I'm the wrong one to ask because I don't think that card is playable. How about Jace? Trim one or two Jaces, and all the Atreets come out most likely because it's so slow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually in favor usually of taking out a Plains as well. It doesn't cast that many things, and they're not attacking your mana. Right. Well, so I, think, I think that gets you to enough. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds about right. Um, and I guess this build's got, what, two Snapcasters? Yeah, which I think two or three is standard. And he only has... Well, he only has three swords also, so that's that hurts a little bit versus Elves Game 1. Because sure. game, game 1, your best chance is probably... They don't get the best draw, and you have sword, snapcaster, sword, sword, snapcaster to build up the terminus. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, it's probably a favorable matchup for Miracles anyway if you establish either counterbalance or can terminus them a couple times. Yeah, for, for the most part. Reclamation Sage did make the counterbalance lock a lot worse, though. Mm hmm. So. Mm hmm. Um, Alright, so as an interesting exercise, then maybe um, this same deck, then, what do you think about. Uh, 
what would you board in and out versus shardless bug? So the the big question with shardless bug is is whether to keep in counterbalance, right? Yeah. I think you just want to take it out. Yeah, it's great against you know vision and whatnot, but they have abrupt decay. You'd rather their abrupt decays be bad. Right, but I guess then the question is, are the things that you are bringing in also decayable, in which case it's a wash, right? Right. Right. Generally, you're, you don't want to bring in... Uh, obviously, Mentor is probably good enough that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, Meddling Mage, naming Abrupt Decay, it's pretty stout. I'm not even sure that, that the Meddling Mage is worth it. I mean, I my initial thought would be to take out Counterbalances and, and actually Forces mm-hmm. and just try to be a better fair deck. Right, and Blood Moon. Uh, He's got a yeah, Blood, Blood Moon just slams the door shut if you can get away with it. Yeah, but uh, maybe EE. They have a EE's good. Of there's a third red class effect. Yeah. Uh, Luster Storm is really good against Discard. Oh yeah, Fluster Storm's amazing against things like him and and uh, Thoughtseize. Uh, at least one of the wear tears. I mean, Shardless Agent, Baleful Strix, Sylvan Library. Right. A lot of them have no rod to beat you. Is Council of Judgment too slow, or do you need it for Liliana? You definitely need it for Liliana, right. even though it is slow. Although Venser helps with Liliana as well. Especially this promo Venser that I'm looking at in my mirror in my uh, window here. He looks like he looks like a fucking ninja from Mortal Kombat. Have you seen this this Venser? I had not. I didn't even know that existed. What the hell is that from? Hold on. Oh, from the vaults, vault, I think. From the vaults, twenty. That's the same one as that awful Jace. Sweet Jesus! A, fo- a set foil Benzer is ninety dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. Man, you learn something every day about man- magic finance. Uh, well, anyway, all right. So um, I'm gonna. I'm, in, I'm indecisive, and I don't know what I'm going to play, but uh, I'll probably bring three or four decks. I think I'm going to bring... I, I tested a little bit on Sunday with uh, Sam, and um, I played around with a few other decks, but I'll probably bring Jund with Painful Truths and uh, Enchantress, and then I guess a Brainstorm deck that will maximize the amount of signed beta duels that I will be able to obtain there, which will likely be Bant, Bant Colors, so which um, I'm pretty comfortable playing. Uh, that's probably the most comfortable Brainstorm deck I can put together is, is a Bant deck. i play that plenty of times. So. Sure. I think Enchantress is a good route. Yeah, I like good the deck. Way. Yeah, it's, it, it does suffer from... Uh, I, can, I can play Enchantress pretty quick. Yeah. I, think you, can, yeah, I think you can trick up some people just... Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot to play the deck here. Yeah, there's so few people that have actually played against it enough to know what to do. Yeah, especially like there. I don't know. It just seems like you'll be able to just walk through people for a majority of the time. It 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 is a good deck uh, when they don't understand what the key cards are, and um, it's definitely got some almost un- unlosable matchups. Let's say Infect is really a tough matchup. Um, even with a black splash, um, and then time time can be your enemy. You know, I I played lists with um, Sigil, maybe two giants, um, 
and sometimes like one other random car. Like I mean, I have a Corsair or I have an Eidolon that can actually attack, but um, sometimes the clock can push on you a little bit, especially if your opponent's calling for Oracle text every three seconds. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a good choice. It's, it's not it's not as bad about against Storm as everybody seems to think it is. Um, but Infect's a rough, rough matchup. And as Brian alluded to, like, the Elves matchup used to be a buy, but now with uh, Reclamation Sage, that's a totally different story. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so anyway. But yeah, I'm definitely going to bring it because I'll have, it's, it's like the sickest looking deck I can assemble. It just, it's all signed and all beta and all Korean and it's just amazing. Um, I'll probably bring Tezzerator too, and that that that's a deck I can I can probably rely on some some past experience playing it, and uh, just looking at this top eight, I mean, my Chalice deck, Chalice deck would have wrecked all these decks except for I guess Shardless Chalice isn't spectacular, um, at least Chalice on one isn't. Um, right. The density of ones in that deck is actually really, really low. It may just be like Brainstorm, right? Death Ray Shaman, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, sh- yeah, and Shaman. Either Thoughtseize or Ponder? Yeah, it looks like the, yeah, so the one guy didn't play Thoughtseize and the other guy played two, so it's not spectacular in any, any abrupt decay, decay deck. Sometimes, uh, like Jundur, uh, this deck, Chalice isn't spectacular. Um, but Tezzerator, uh, then again, but they can't deal with, well, Anyway, your, your, your decays are taxed. I mean, I, I've got other good cards against them, but I'm not sure that, that that's a great matchup um, for Tezzerator. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd want to play a Chalice deck. I mean, there's three different decks that, are, that I'd be concerned about that have Abrupt Decay. Bug Delver. Carlos, Bug Delver, and Jund. Yeah. And the other thing would be to play, like I said, pain, Painful Jund. Um, with some buys to hopefully shake out some of the variants you can get from Jund, and then playing, like, two or three Sylvan Libraries and two or three Painful Truths, um, and just being a shaved ape and just running people over with Jund. And Cutting Bob certainly hurts in some matchups, but, like, Bob was a weird fit for Jund in a lot of respects because he's, like, the only one toughness guy that you've got. He, I know it's easy to say that he eats removal, but... He really does eat removal, and I'd rather be spending my second turn casting him and wasting you than casting Bob, probably, at least today. I mean, if I stick Bob with Jund against, like, Miracles, for example, that's really good, sure. But, um, anyway, I think cutting cutting Bob lets you do a few things. One, it lets you play Delve Spells, so you can play Team Stalker, and... Tombstalker is not great against Miracles, let's say, but there are some decks like Charlotte's Bug or whatever that basically have no way to deal with a Tombstalker outside of Liliana. And Rug Delver can't deal with... I mean, I guess they always... They always apply five. No, I mean, it has to be like Delver Bolt to kill the fucking thing. Um, and you're already just pounding their mana base. Um, so, I think Jun might be a good option. I think Painful Truth is a pretty good card. Um... I'm not entirely sold that it's better than just playing something like Sylvan Scrying or uh, Skeletal Scrying, excuse me. Well, the it's it's going to be slightly um, 
it's going to be slightly more efficient. You're going to get one more card on average, right, at the cost of sorcery speed. Right. And it's not affected. It's, uh, I think the build that I would... eating away your own Tarmogoyf? Yeah, I'd be playing, like, four Tarmogoyfs, two tomb, tomb Stalkers, and maybe even a couple of Scavenging Oozes. So that's... And Death Rites. So I think there's a reasonable amount of strain on your graveyard anyway. I don't know. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get in some testing um, in, the, in the days preceding the, the GP. Yeah. But, um... But that would be another deck that I would consider just on the back of having buys and, uh, you know, Jund could flood out or whatever and just get really shitty Jundy draws. And then, I guess historically Jund's been soft to combo, maybe. I don't know how real that is. Yeah, I think that's that's the concern, is that you're just dead before you interact. Right, and then things like Thoughtseize and him are good against Storm, but with Passing Flames, it may not matter, you know, unless you can really get Tarmogoyf clocking in or get your death right and or ooze eating their yard. But I think my board would be something like, you know, Null Rods, um, maybe even Black Leyline. If you're not running Bob, you can also you also open yourself up to a lot more sideboard options. Um, higher higher casting cost stuff. Slaughter Games is, is a, probably your best sideboard card against most combo decks though. Yeah, slaughter games. You can run a couple of slaughter games. So if him can get you to to your third or fourth turn, and then you can slaughter games them, that's a pretty good deal. And then null rod. I think null rod is pretty good in Jund. Um, you get null rod. You also have like there's some new stuff that um, Jund has access to, like Culligan's command. That's pretty sweet. Um, and then you get Liliana and Goyf and all the other stuff. So I would consider playing Jund too as well. And it's a deck that it's not exactly autopilot, but um, definitely easier to play over like a nine or ten round tournament. I guess day one will be nine rounds. So I'll just play Burn. I'll just drink a bottle of Captain Morgan's the night before and play Burn. Yes. That's, that's not a bad plan. <laughs> uh, so on the subject of uh, Star City, we had some news today that came down. Um, I, for one, don't think it's that massive of a deal, but the internet is reacting differently. Um so Star City has changed the structure of their... Primarily, this is their Sunday events, really. It doesn't actually... Or no, I guess they are impacting the whole thing as a, as a whole. So they're changing the name of their their circuit to the Tour, I believe. The SEG Tour. Um, they're reducing the total number of events. It seems like they're just trying to rip off like the Pro Tour. Like, I don't know. Not to interrupt, but... Just seemed like there's a lot of handshaking going on. And I read that article between like Wizards of the Coast and whoever that president guy is of SCG. It just seemed like they're trying to just emulate the Pro Tour, you know. Well, it's uh, it's going to feed the Pro Tour, I guess right? That was, that was yeah, the, that's the hand. I guess that's the main handshake. So the handshake there was getting rid of Legacy. So right. now none of the not IQs, goddamn None of the Invitationals will ever have. Legacy, they'll always be modern and standard. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that was definitely part of the handshake of them feeding. So, you, if you win an Invitational now, you get qualified for the Pro Tour. So, they couldn't have Legacy be a feeder into the Pro Tour. I guess, I guess technically, the one Legacy GP a year feeds the Pro Tour. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what I would do with a Pro Tour invite. I, I don't think I would go. Yeah, who cares? I, uh, if you get the travel expenses, you could free roll a plane ticket, go somewhere, and just register. Cool. Yeah, register seventy-five mountains. I mean, actually, I'm sure I could go look through whatever's legal and standard right now and make some fucking hilarious deck and 
Yeah. Sure, but I'd rather just register 75 islands, show up for 10 minutes, and enjoy my free plane <laughs> Hold on, there's got to be some cool card I can play. I would play, I would register... Uh, how many oxen are legal and standard right now? Let's see. Advanced. Type. Ox. Standard. Search. All right. Looks like we're. It looks like we're down to one and only one ox. <laughs> That's no good. I'm sure you can find <laughs> some type. Yoked ox. I could play fifty six planes and four yoked ox. Um. Cats. Cat tribal. There's a lot of cats. Uh, griffin. We've got quite a few griffins. You definitely uh, have some options. We got an antelope. I had no idea that was a creature type. Anyway, do something like that. Um, but back to the changes. Yeah, so legacies are removed from all invitationals. Uh, they're going to add new vendors at their open weekends. Basically, the West Coast... He all but said the West Coast is not going to uh, have any star cities. It looks like uh, they're going to be in Vegas December 12th, which is actually this year, right? And um, and then it looks like no more West Coast events. It looks like the furthest west they're going is like, God, Louisville, Indianapolis. Yeah, from, from what I saw, <laughs> like Louisville, Indianapolis... I mean, Philly, Pittsburgh, they're, they're not going far west at all. Yeah. So, you know, that's clearly related to cutting cost, right? The cost for them to pack their shit up and travel to these things. Um, so that's... And then and then it looks like for each of these trimesters, so there's going to be three trimesters, three, three uh, whatever, three things that feed the IQs, uh, three things that feed the Invitational, sorry, a year. It looks like there's going to be one legacy for every trimester, so they'll have, they'll have three total legacy events uh, per year. So I guess not being West Coast is good for us in Atlanta. It means we would get three legacy two-day events a year, right? It looks like the first one's in Philly in February, which is a great time of year to be in Philadelphia. I know when I'm traveling to Philadelphia, I love to be there, like February 27th, the dead of winter, where even the urine on the sidewalks is frozen. Like, that's perfect timing. Yeah, there's no chance that's happening. <laughs> um, and then the other big change, which is sort of the, the one, I guess, that impacts Legacy more than others, is that the um, uh, the Sunday, which used to be a 5K, uh, which, as I understand it, was considered good EV, uh, now pays out in bribe wall tickets. <laughs> Um, which which are essentially useless. It's worth noting that these tickets you can't even buy singles with them. Yeah, that's the big downer. I mean, like I'd happily take Star City store credit. Uh, is it like it's basically what they're doing at like the GPs? Like I played it when which GP was that? Some GP. Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, we were all Charlotte, and like. I just traded all my points, so what? There's nothing I could possibly want out of their case. Yeah, it's it's that exact same thing. Like, but I did, I guess, like I did trade off my points to like some kid who like just gave me his Vendillion clip, like sure for the points, but, but which was legit. Just, but it's like what eight ten p.m. Sunday night, and then you get these tickets, and there's nobody around. Yeah, no, I mean, I just. I don't even want to try to trade them to anybody either. I don't really trade cards in general. Um, 
so it sucks. But I guess that was the one positive I found with the tickets is you find some scrub and just trade them away to move on some. But it's it's a big fisting for sure. Um. Well, on the upside, they have a play mat which has kittens drinking milk. So Lisa uh, Frank. <laughs> you think they would kick me out if I lit that play mat on fire? Uh, yeah, I think lighting anything on fire in the tournament hall is frowned upon by the organizer. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, so I, you know, I don't know what the. Of course, all the misers now are like running around the internet trying to figure out what the exact amount these tickets are worth. Um, like. I guess you're getting 1,800 tickets or something. Oh, God, this is a fucking mess. 1,800. Like anything else, it always <laughs> turns out to be roughly 10 tickets is a pack, which is $3. It's just going to be a bunch of standard children and, like, men that are not growing day, up yet. Like, spinning a fucking wheel for prizes at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> all this shit is. I mean, really, it's like circus pizza. They should just give free pizza out or, or you get pizza with your tickets, too. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think... I don't I mean, really, I mean, honestly, I would probably get more out of some pizza than a pack of whatever, you know, yeah, or I'm walking, I don't want a pack of sleeves, you know. I'll take some pepperoni instead, you know, with extra cheese. And we should host our local legacy at a Chuck E. Cheese. We should host a big legacy tournament this the Sunday that a Star City comes into town. Because I can't, I can't see any compelling reason for any legacy enthusiast to want to play to get a, a kittens with milk mat. Like... That's that's true. That would be a really good way to make a point. Right. And, like, you got some people who are in town and people are excited about magic. Just give away, like, a Mox Ruby or a couple of undergrounds at a legacy event on a Sunday. So it's like you, you scrub out of that and you're still in town. You just come a few miles away and come play in this our legacy event instead of getting kittens with milk playmat and prize wall tickets. I, I mean, I... Look, I respect... Two, I want to say a few things. One... I think Star City runs an awesome GP. And they've committed to running eternal events at their GPs and always having great artist lineups. So, like, that's awesome. But I will say, as an eternal, obviously, as an eternal enthusiast, this basically means that, like, the SEG opens are just dead for anyone who cares about legacy. I would think even modern, like, why, why you, you can pay $30 to try to win 1800 prize tickets on Sunday, that even seems kind of miserable. Yeah, I mean, I think Modern got it bad, too. I mean, I don't know, like, everyone's just talking about Legacy, but it's like, there seems to be a lot of issues. I don't know. It seems like there's that whole prize thing, and then the whole West Coast is gone, and Legacy, it's just, I don't know. It seems like there's a place for another company to step in and do something. You know, I don't know if they're handing it off to Channel Fireball for the West Coast takeover, or, you know, if there's some sort of, like, hey... Leave us alone on the East Coast with SCG, and we'll leave you alone on the West Coast. Or if they're, you know, or if it's something to do with how Wizards is orchestrating their events, I'm not sure. But it just, it all seems really weird, like how everything's playing out. Well, I will say this. I was in uh, Philadelphia, or I was in Pennsylvania uh, last weekend for LuxCon, and I went to Eternal Extravaganza 3, uh, which was hosted at Tales of Adventure Comics. In um, Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. I heard good things about that. A lot of good things, actually. Well, they got four hundred for Legacy at a sixty dollar buy-in. Sixty dollar cash buy-in. They got four hundred people for Legacy. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's like a big whatever the, the number was is definitely like 
jumped ahead from the last one. Same with Eternal Weekend. I don't know. I, this, little, this whole SCG thing just doesn't, I don't know. I'm not really phased by it. I think people are you're going a little too nuts over it. And someone's yeah. just going to pick it up. I mean, that's all there is to it. Like, somebody's going to throw legacy events somewhere and make money. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, you, if you can get 400 people to pay 60 bucks for an event in, uh, no offense to Coopersburg, bombed out Pennsylvania, um, you know, there's room to, to run events. Maybe not in Atlanta, but, um, you know, I think there's definitely enough demand. Now, granted, the, their legacy event paid out 40 duels to the first to the first place finisher. Um, so that probably had something to do with the turnout. Um, but sure, but but I think with the eternal stuff, and kind of get back to Star City's change to prize vault tickets too. Yeah, you're not yeah. playing Legacy to make money. That's not realistic, right? You're playing because you want to go play Legacy. The, the cash is a bonus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially those Sunday those Sunday ones. I didn't think anything about what the prizes were. Actually, just as we are recording this podcast, uh, Tales of Adventure has just uh, re iterated their support for Eternal, and they've announced Eternal Extravaganza 4. They're going to schedule it for March, and they're going to run monthly Legacy 1Ks. There uh, it is. And they're going to, they, what they want to do then is create a satellite system, and they're going to have uh, one or more 5K Legacy events scheduled before Eternal Extravaganza 4. I mean, and this guy's probably just going to start making money, you know, and start expanding out, just... And and there it is, like you know, it'll, it'll move. Like this stuff, it, it seriously like sells itself. There's just so little, like like these game store owners across the boards are just like they're either just not there or they just don't really know what's going on a large amount of the time. And yeah. I feel like if someone just stepped up, you know, were in any part of the country and really went after it and had actually some liquid, like some actual cash, you know, that they could invest into this as a business and you know, get, like, design and, you know, that, you know, getting strong streaming and sell cards, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can get there. It seems like these guys are onto something right there. You're just going to see more of it. This is us, you know, it's people will see opportunity. That's all. Yeah. Cards aren't going to go down in value. It's just and this and this was, again, in, like, this wasn't a destination. This wasn't a you know, bombed-out little town in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And they had 400 people come play Legacy. The sat the Sunday Vintage got over 100, and it was run concurrently with a Star City Modern. So, you know, that's the middle of nowhere. No one's getting Star City Barnacle forms. Nobody's getting a fucking Otter token made out of themselves if they win this tournament. They're just there to play, you know. And it's and the buy-in is higher than any of these Star Cities. I mean, the density of Eternal players in and around the Northeast is probably greater than like the South, but. Um, Still, it wasn't like it was in Philadelphia. But, yeah. You know what I mean? So, but good to hear that they're already scheduling the fourth one, and um, hopefully... And it sounded like with that satellite system or whatnot that they might be moving into that space. Maybe maybe we get some regional features yeah. to that. Yeah, that would be that would be sick. I mean, I, I think the, the first store to do it, you know, the one that, that's going to step out... Uh, I guess take the risk, or the first vendor or whatever, step out and take the risk. You know that that might take a little while, but um, yeah. Once once they get going, uh, I think there's definitely a space for it. 
I mean, I could see it just being regional. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I get from Star City's perspective, packing up all their stock and, like, physically having to transport it to, like, Los Angeles seems like kind of a bear. Um, So maybe it makes sense that it moves to be a more regional uh, regional thing, you know? So. I don't know who we have in the South here would be, like, the biggest. I guess it's Troll and Toad, right? I mean, they're just fucking colossal. I, yeah. I really can't think of anybody down here that's actually willing to do it, unfortunately. Oh, in the Atlanta area, yeah, I don't know, but, like, the, this, this, we do have some huge retailers. I mean, Cool Stuff in Orlando is a pretty big retailer, maybe not quite Star City. Troll and Toad is freaking massive. Um, yeah. Super Games. Super Games is a massive internet retailer. I don't know how they rank on TCG now, but they... They move a lot of cards, yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's that's the state of the world, I guess, for uh, uh, for Legacy. I'm, like, I'm indifferent. I mean, once they chop the Sunday Legacy, I, I don't think that this is that much. Once they cut the stream on Sunday and, and or cut the Sunday open, I, I don't think that this next move is that... I don't think that this next move is that much more of a... Uh, of a death blow to Legacy, I don't... You know. Yeah, I really don't think this matters as much as people are making it out. I mean, they just not. The, I mean, how many opens or legacy tournaments do we all go to a year? You know, or the people that are like crying that the sky is falling. You know, it's just like people are going to like one to three events a year, and they're like freaking out about SCG not supporting legacy. I don't and even. It's, it's just like another small hiccup that everyone's freaking out again. It's it's just. And none of those people will travel anyway. So it's yeah. like most of the people complaining are just the ones who Star City visits once a year, and you know, I, I don't. It makes no difference. I'm gonna get. I'm getting on a plane to go play wherever. Like I don't care. Like, and I think the average Eternal player who actually has real Eternal cards is probably in the same boat. They have enough. They have enough uh, extraneous income, spendable in- income that they can afford two or three trips a year to go play somewhere in the, in the country or fucking Europe or whatever. Right. I mean, all of us go to Eternal Weekend every year. A lot of us go to whatever the, the U.S. Legacy GP is every year, even with Seattle being the complete opposite end of the country. Yeah, and Gen Con and whatever. Actually, this yep. year's Legacy GP is going to be Columbus, uh, Ohio, which is an awesome city to go visit, and they're also running it the week after Orig- uh, Origins. So, like, if you make it a week vacation and you span the weekends... You can hang out and go to Origins, and then go to the Legacy GP all in one uh, one trip. That's sweet. Yeah, so that'll be a pretty sweet deal. I, don't, I didn't look at the rest of the schedule. I think that's the only. I think they only go out to June for the GPs for next year. So. Yeah, I think there's just going to be a lot more like I don't know, like people like within like kind of grassroots, you know, people kind of building their own things and throwing their own tournaments, and then slowly people will start throwing larger and larger events. As we're kind of starting to see here, you know, in Atlanta, I think you're just going to see some sort of player base in all these areas, just diehards that are going to start pushing on their own, and hopefully more store owners follow suit. If pussies want to sell out, I'm just buy their dual lands and run tournaments with them. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll buy any, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably start going at if, if I start seeing, like, you know, FBB duels going down or unlimiteds, I'd be happy to buy them. 
I mean, even just, I have no idea how many of the, the people in the Atlanta Eternal group were just kind of fucking around, like, oh, I'm getting rid of my duels, but I'd, I'll just buy all the revised duels <laughs> and go down. Well, right. I mean, there's there's only, like, two people, really, that I think, you know, <laughs> really making the claim, and they barely have any duels anyways, you know, so it's just whatever, you know. It's just, it's, I think you'll always have in every community some people that will help push whatever it is, and you'll always have some people that are just not as helpful. And that's just with everything in life. So it's, you know, it's whatever. But I, I think that people will be pushing it in the grand scheme. You know, people just really like Legacy. It's just... Man, I went to Star City's page here where they made the announcement, and they were bold enough to allow Facebook comments on it. And it, It's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too, yeah. Yeah, well, I would imagine... They're just raging on this guy. And yeah, on the president. Yeah, everyone's raging. I mean, I give him credit for being, uh, you know, for being open or whatever. You know, like, that's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, they have the numbers. I mean, they know whether they're making money or not. So, like, I'm not, I don't want I don't want to get on Star City about making these changes. I think that they, they know. They know if they're making money or not, and they're obviously not making money on it. So, I can't. I'm never going to begrudge somebody for running their business and trying to make a profit, but... Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't even mind seeing some of the dual land prices go down or any of the price. It's just, if you're holding your cards, it really is irrelevant if you know Magic's history and you know Magic cards. Like, maybe it won't be popular for a second, and then it will just come right I back. Just, people just I, get bored with shit. There'll always just be people that want to play Legacy. I don't know. Sell me your cards. I said this in the local group, but Star City killed Power 9 Circuit. My power's worth five times what it was. Star City killed the Sunday Legacy. My FBBs and Beta Duels doubled. You know, I just flew back from a 400-person, 60-hour Legacy event in nowhere, Pennsylvania that also had a 100-person vintage event on Sunday. Car Titan held the largest vintage event ever, ever, ever this year and the biggest Legacy Champs ever. And you're going to GP... You know, you're going to the GP coming up for Legacy. That's going to cap out at 2,000 people. Right, and these SC, the SCG changes are not going to change any no. schedule from this year. Exactly, yeah. The payout for the Sunday Legacy could be fucking otter tokens, and it wouldn't impact the price of Tundra, I don't think. So. Yeah, they, they could literally pay people nothing <laughs> and charge the same entry, and I don't think it affects the price of Duelins. Uh, anyway, it's always skies falling. You, you know, when they made the changes to the... Uh, where the Sundays weren't always going to be Legacy. It was kind of the same thing. Everybody was like, oh, my God, sell out, sell out. Ah, sure. I think that was way more of a concern. Yeah, because you lost the stream and you lost the big, the bigger payout, right? I, a lot of people claim that, that losing the stream on the Sunday was going to have this massive impact on Legacy. And I, I, I didn't quite get that. I didn't, I, I didn't think the actual people who played and bought Legacy cards would... would would change their habits or their collections based on what was on the Twitch stream on Sunday. That didn't; those two things didn't line up for me. Like you're out playing Legacy on Sunday, probably if you really like playing Legacy, right? Like, yeah, I guess the theory is that's what draws in new people. And if these players that have never played Legacy before don't see it, they're never really going to get involved. Well, that works out well because I don't really want new players to play Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true, Brian. I think, I think you're on. That was the one thing that I kind of thought about. Like the only, the only kind of damning thing of anything with SCG is just, you know, people seeing legacy and 
like either, you know, someone that's been out of the game for a long time and just sees old cards for whatever reason, you know, they see it, new kids coming in. I mean, that's the, that's probably the only sting, really, from losing that. But people are streaming Legacy now. I, I'd say, I don't know, Sean, do you think more stores across the country are streaming games in general, like card games, over the last X years? Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's a lot. I mean, it's all relative. Like, when you go to Twitch and see what's getting the most eyeballs, something like League of Legends gets 30,000 people Right. Watching, whereas the Pro Tour gets 2,000 people, 3,000 people watching. Like, uh, you know, so it's all relative. The amount of eyeballs watching Magic on Twitch is nothing compared to the amount that watch Hearthstone or League of Legends or fucking Barbie Dress Me Up. I mean, it, it, it's really low, but there's a lot more Magic to watch now on Twitch. I mean, as, we, as we're recording this podcast, Card Kingdom is broadcasting. Plus, I mean, for all the gloom and doom about SEG, um, a place like Seattle, they're getting 60 and 70 for their weekly legacies, you know? Yeah. I mean, Which is totally unaffected by Star City. Why would they care? Why would, you know, it wouldn't, even, it wouldn't matter. I mean, clear, clearly people are just coming out there to have fun, get on the stream occasionally, and play Legacy. You know, I don't know what the payouts are, but I'm sure they're not epic. So. Anyway, so probably not a, not a whole lot of gloom and doom. Um, no. You know, actually, related to this, we have the economics of magic, which uh, can be fickle anyway. I would posit that card value isn't impacted at all by what Star City does or what animal porn they put out on their tokens. Look at, like, Serendib over the last since the last time we podcasted. I know. Jesus. An Arabian Night Serendib which, I don't know, for... The last fifteen years was anywhere between ten and twenty dollars. Is now a hundred and seventy dollar magic card, and there is no Star City old school circuit. There is no old school Pro Tour. You know what I mean? Like magic cards are it's not even played that regularly. No, it isn't. Like, but magic cards are their own. They hold their own weight now. Like, it, it just doesn't even matter. They're so collectible and scarce compared to the amount of people who want them. And and, and, I, and so I don't I don't think anything other than them. Abolishing the reserve list and printing Serendipifreets that you can't discern from original Arabian Nights ones are, are, would tank this card. You know what I mean? Because it's already been printed 50 billion times and revised. And, like, it's still $170 despite being re- reprinted ad infinitum. Guess how much a beta Wrath of God is up to? Do I even want to know? I mean, I'd say like 250, 350 zone, maybe four. Re- Yep, three three forty is the mid on a beta wrath. Wow, and it's like Wrath of God has literally been reprinted. I'm gonna look here. Hold on. So least up through ten. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about the total number of printings, including promos and everything. Alpha base one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen eighteen times Wrath of God has been printed total, including alpha. And most of those are corsets. They got giant yeah. Print runs. Yeah, fourth, fifth, revised, CE, portal, uh, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, fucking commander, commander got printed in, and a beta wrath, which is just works exactly the same as a commander wrath, is three, you know, three forty. They shouldn't have changed the art on that wrath of God. That was a sin. <laughs> 
Well, that goes for fucking, like, everything. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the Quentin passed away. I, I don't know. I felt like that was, like, a little more of a sting. I mean, he's, like, my, one of my favorites, for sure. But, like, the guy passed away. Like, it's such an epic card. Like, let it ride, man. You gotta let that one ride. I don't well, know. Well, they, they changed it in seven. Yeah. yeah. He was still alive then, probably. Mm, was... Uh, like seventh edition is pretty old, right? Well, yeah, yeah I'm like thinking of from the vault. I think I was thinking from the vault. I guess one where these like I was I wasn't. Oh, like, that's hideous. Yeah, sorry, I hadn't yeah. seen that. Yeah, that's the one. I didn't know they had done it again, um, but it's on my vacation then. That thing is more that 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 from the vault from the vaults are the worst. That thing, yeah. <laughs> that thing is cheaper that than thing, just, that thing is brutal, dude. Like a revised wrath. Oh no, revised wrath is cheaper. An unlimited wrath is worth more than a from the vault wrath. And I'm sure like a seventh edition wrath is. White bordered. Yeah, that's worth about the same. I guess that's Kev Walker art. That that wrath looks like damnation. That seventh edition wrath. Well, isn't damnation a mirror of one of the wrath arts? Oh yeah, it's the same guy. He just went into Photoshop and flipped the art, or flipped the black to white and the white to black. What a deal. It's insane how those guys get away with that stuff. <laughs> like, if people only knew how much of that art is just getting reused and recycled, like, across the board, like... Oh, and our, several artists who will not be named at, at GP Las Vegas were dying laughing about how they, they were basically saying that they would reject any request from Watsi to do anything but lands because... Whenever Watsi requests them to do a land, they would just take the same Photoshop file and like move three things around, put a new filter on it. So the guy's like, "Yeah, I don't take any more work from Watsi unless it's lands." <laughs> <laughs> he just goes into land.psd. I mean, it's so with like Photoshop, dude. Those things are, yeah. If you know what you're doing to any degree, that stuff is brutally easy. But yeah, it's too bad. It is. Well, it's sad. But anyway, my my point there was that like these card prices for real you know real collectible magic cards aren't going anywhere. I mean, there's no way a revised uh, Tundra even is going to move just on this this alone. Now, if I mean if Watsi says no more legacy GPs, that I could see maybe giving people some fear and getting the people who are just holding their legacy cards for financial purposes to maybe try to cash out, right? That's fine. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, realistically, the prices go down, then people think the format's affordable, they think modern's weak, and then they just buy into legacy, and then somebody starts... It's just a cycle that will continue. They'll bring it back. I mean, I don't know. It, it's just... The legacy is just... It's just a different format from modern standard, and the prices are just not that high. They're high, but they're not, like, you know, it's not buying a set of power to get a legacy deck by any means. I mean, there's the aging of the population, too, like, you know, as the legacy... I mean, 93-94 is growing, you know? Like, how is legacy going to die? 93-94 went from, like, 10 last year, you know, to, like, 50 this year. So And they share... they share a lot of the same cards, yeah. I mean, you talk about, like, I mean, the 50 people traveled, you know, or, you know, to Toronto Weekend and chose their Friday night, you know, to get drunk, you know, or whatever, and play cards with people and have a great time. 
I mean, the whole thing is just like there's no support from anything for 1994. I mean, that stuff is just like there's so little. It's just like Eternal Central, a few other people, you know, old school. But you know, like yeah, and at some point there can't be. It's not a format you can sanction because you have Chaos Orb and all that. Yeah. So I mean, I just think Legacy. What it just you know, if old school magic cannot die, then Legacy cannot die. And, and there is just there's just way more of a competitive window for Legacy than there is for 9394. 9394 has its place, and we all know what it is, you know. I just yeah, I don't, I'm not. Another big comparison, if if you want to look, is what happened to Vintage, right? It's still yeah, out. Vintage is doing great. Yeah, and and then everyone claimed it was going to die when Star City stopped the Power Nine circuit, and it didn't at all. In fact, and I mean. If it becomes more exclusive and you have to travel a little bit more in the next five or six years, I don't necessarily think it's going to be that big of a deal anyway because your your 21-year-olds who are playing Legacy now will be 26-year-olds with more income, you know, um, and they'll be able to travel or whatever. Like, I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I mean, I, you know, maybe the whole populace who plays Eternal, you know, slowly ages and it does get to the point, and it's getting to the point now where... If you're a, if you're an average high school kid who isn't a trust fund baby, I suppose it, it is difficult to scrape together enough money for a competitive LAC deck. But I don't necessarily mind the population sort of aging because I don't really want to play against children anyway. But um, and that is a nice thing about Legacy, you know, that there is a buy-in, so you play with players, you know, that actually like competent with the format or invested in it because. You know, especially with the legacy crowd, I mean, most people that play it probably don't have time to, like, teach people how to play Magic, like, full on if they're not going to be invested or, you know, just, like, I don't know. When I play fucking pre-release, which I, I do love to do, um, <laughs> it, I couldn't imagine going all the time to that, you know what I mean, or something even close to that at all, you know, like, it, which it's fun for the time that you do it, but... Oh, I'd want to cave my fucking skull in before I mean, I played sealed every week, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've walked different floors, and, I mean, they all have different crowds, and all sorts of people play all different formats, but I would definitely say that the Legacy crowd is a little more um, in tune with what they're doing and invested, you know, with themselves more than just money, even though everyone wants to talk about money. A lot of people, I mean, it's just, it's an eternal format, and people can afford it, and you can play it all the time. Um, I understand some of the hiccups against vintage like with some people, but I just legacy is very I don't know, you can get there. Get yourself a day. I mean the number of people you have to explain the rules to declines as you move up through the formats, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean once you get the vintage, you're pretty good. Unless it's like an older player just like <laughs> not always. There are, there are always exceptions to the rule, but yeah. Yeah. But generally, the longer you've played, you just have a better idea what's going on, and and you can move faster through everything. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like, when Legacy really, really slowed down in Atlanta, I don't know, I guess uh, last winter maybe, or in the spring when we weren't really firing the weeklies um, before we started streaming, uh, you know, I would go and play Modern, because I, I don't mind, the, I actually don't mind the card pool in Modern, and I don't mind building decks in Modern, I think... I think it's interesting. I think you can win with just about anything. But the frustrating part of going to play Modern was like, you know, two out of four rounds I'd be playing as some fucking child or 15-year-old dude whose mom dropped him off 
playing what CVP told him to play, and he literally just had no idea how to even play Magic. And that's modern. I can't even imagine what sealed or standard must be like. But so it wasn't the card pool that was the problem. If I could get a bunch of like twenty-five to thirty-five-year-old dudes playing modern, it would be sort of interesting, and everybody knew what they were doing. But I don't want to play with the people who play modern because they're just they don't know how they don't know what they're doing, and I. Right. I mean, when you have to get the I mean, fucking Oracle text for Lightning Bolt because the kids never seen a beta, a beta Lightning Bolt, it's pretty sad. Yeah. So what's the final what verdict, then? I'm guessing if you hadn't bought a ticket, you ain't going to the GP at this point. No, I'm not going. I mean, this is GP, Atlanta coming up, and I got really sick, as you can probably hear in my voice. Um... And there's, like, yeah, there's just, like, some, you know, there's, like, someone out there that I know real well, and I'd probably, I'd just feel like a total dick if I was out there and just, like, played magic, stayed at her house, was like, see ya. Get her sick? Get her, like, give her a cold? Right, yeah, give her, you know, yeah, Atlanta cold. Give her the herp? No, but Atlanta cold is impossible, so. It's raining, like, all hell, but. So, uh. Andrew, I heard you were down in Valdosta picking up some Norfolk pieces. No, no. <laughs> uh, well, we do have the Atlanta GP uh, coming up, too. And um, like I said earlier, Star City's got a full slate of support for it. So hopefully we can beat the drums and get people to come out and uh, get those events to fire. Like, um, I'm, they did go out of their way to schedule stuff. So if it doesn't fire, they probably won't schedule it, so. I just want to crap on modern for one quick second. Um, sure. Just coming from an old perspective, like all almost all the cards in modern are just standard cards to me because I don't know any of them and I didn't pop any of those packs or anything. They're just all standard cards to me, pretty much, except the ones that I play in Legacy. And I know that there's going to be a lot of other people like that that have feelings about that with modern for a long time. So I think that will always inhibit more legacy. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> I just, <it> is. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's not about the cards. It's about the people. Like, it's just a bunch of standard players. Now, I played Type 2 for a long time. Type 2 used to be fun, and, like, I used to play it. But that was when I could cast Urnum Gin in Type 2. And, Ooh. You know. Yeah, well, that's different. I mean. And Counterspell. I mean, like. When Counterspell and Lightning Bolt are too good for Standard then or Type 2, then count me the fuck out. Yeah, well, they're even saying now that, that one-mana mana dorks are, are the next thing that's going. So I don't understand. Like, how can that constantly be the case when they've printed, like, strictly better Jazoms for, like, ten years now? I, it just it confuses me. I, I don't know. I haven't played Standard seriously in at least five years, which I know is a lot more recently than the rest of you guys, but... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, I guess it's just uh, once they get going in one direction, it's hard to turn the ship. You have to turn it slowly. So, if you make these constant enhancements to what the best creature is in terms of like either rate, the pure rate, like power and toughness, or you just put these absurd abilities on creatures, you know, like look at Merfolk Looter and look at Jace Brin's Prodigy. You know, look at, you know. Jazam Jin and all the 150 cards they've made that are just infinitely better than it. 
you have to pull in some other area. So now instead of counterspell, cancel is the standard, and cancel is like really good or whatever. Or lightning bolt, I guess is the seminal example, right? Like there, there, there have been standard environments when shock was a must play. Yeah, and what are they, what is it now? It's essentially a two mana lightning bolt. It is a two mana lightning bolt. Yeah, it is bad incinerate. Strictly worse incinerate. I said it here first. The art on incinerate is so sick. The original. Our pools incinerate. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the first couple of runs that incinerate the mirage one is sick too. Have you seen that one? The snotty one where the guy's yep. it's like a guy with a oh, helmet yeah, yeah. fucking vaporized. Yeah. Check out the yeah, flavor text the too. I, have. I need to get those signed this weekend. Ah, see, this podcast serves a purpose. Check out the flavor text. Never taunt an ember nade, ember mage. What, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Bitch. Ice Age had some sick flavor text, too. I, the uh, That has a uh, Jay Ballard quote, right? Let me see. Yep, because it's one of the, the cards that she does when you... Yeah, yeah, she incinerates. Yes, I think Toast is an appropriate description. She's a cunt. Look at... I mean, she she talks shit the whole time. Let's get all the Jay Ballard's quotes up. Hold on a second. Can I search on flavor text? Anyway, so it's Pyroblast, Incinerate, Inferno... Oh, her her abilities? Right, I know yeah. those are three she's quoted on. I know it's more than that, but... Yeah, she's quoted on a ton of shit. I mean, they should make a bunch of Jay Ballards and just... Well, you can search flavor text. I, I got it here. Uh, pyrokinesis. Anybody want some toast? Ooh. Oh, shit. <laughs> so bad. All my smells... All my spells smell like burnt hair lately. Oh, God. All right, here you go. Not just red cards. Browse. Once oh, great literature, cool. now great litter. God, browse. That's a fucking type 2 card right there. Browse. Man. You would have fucking loved that deck, Brian. You were just an infant. But it was like blue-white control with like four brows, four thawing glaciers, four sorts to plowshares, four count the spell, like uh, 20 other yeah, counter spells. not to love? And then they, they would use Soldevi Digger to just bring back all their sorts of plowshares. And then they would just keep browsing out all the lands until their deck was just a pile of counterspells and sorts of plowshares and rats. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, fucking standard. Man, I'd love to fire off like a standard circa 1995, uh, 1996 event. I, I would love to just pick a, a time frame and play arbitrary standard. Oh. Yeah. There were some good good standards. I guess I guess some of the stuff's broken by today's standards. If you just pick Necro, you just fucking rape everyone. But yeah, I, I think there's some time frames you skip. But Affinity, oh, I guess like uh, that stuff got banned actually, right? It did, but that's still a miserable format. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine anything beating Necro. I mean, Necro, well, Saga. There's some degenerate fucking standard decks in Saga era. Yeah. Academy is completely absurd. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Alright, well, I gotta pack up. I got so many cards, I gotta get signed. It's fucking yeah, just get late here. Alright, uh, I guess that'll wrap it up. Andrew, you got this, uh, this track on check? Yeah, uh, last episode we did a little bit where we all named a, a card we feel is underplayed. You guys wanna try that again? Uh, 
Why don't we Why don't we just talk about our favorite cards uh, in terms of in terms of their flavor or their flavor text? All right, sounds good. Go for it. Start us off. Me? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, my my favorite flavor text on any card is the flavor text for the card humility. And it says, one cannot cleanse the wounds of failure. By Karn Silvergolem, I believe. That is Karn Silvergolem, yeah. So that card is my favorite flavor text, and I just love the card anyway. The art makes no sense at all. It's like a porn dragon next to Skeletor dressed as a, a fucking, with, with like a fez on his head. And then they're I think playing. They're all supposed to be creatures that existed, right? I think it's a shiver dragon. <laughs> uh, look at this again. But who's the fucking skull guy? Anyway, Phil Foglio is just a fucking master, and like, yeah, he's I, good. They're they're just like the Skeletor guy is like handing out flyers and all their jewelry's in a bowl, and the dragon is definitely stoned and. It's just an awesome card. I may actually just play Quad Laser Humility at the GP now. I'm inspired. All right. Uh, Evan, what's what's your favorite card as far as, like, the flavor text or just the flavor feel of it? I think I know. I don't know a lot of flavor text, man. I'm going to strike out there. Um, Expect my visit when the darkness comes. The night I think is best for hiding all. <laughs> Hey, hey, just while I'll give you some time to think while while I, I reminisce about a story. Do you know that I won the very first magic trivia that was uh, done at a uh, Pro Tour Nationals? That's yeah, totally believable. <laughs> I actually won. Uh, I was part of a three man team that won, but um, we won some some product, and uh, one of the things that we won was a denim nightmare jacket. Sick. <laughs> Who's got that bad boy? Uh, I believe that Solomon Malka took the the nightmare denim jacket. I don't know if he still possesses it or not. Um, I somehow doubt that he stole him. Said. <laughs> I saw him on Sunday. I should have asked him about it. I totally forgot. But while Evan's thinking of his favorite card and or flavor, I'm going to go look uh, up denim nightmare jacket on eBay. There couldn't have been that many of them. No, no, there could. There probably weren't. Um, God, I can't even imagine wearing a denim jacket. Period. Let alone one with a giant fucking nightmare on the back. How about MTG denim jacket? Um, no, no. I mean, I shoot. That thing might be worth five thousand dollars, and I don't know if, if none of them exist. Um, yeah. Anyway. I'll I'll dig into it for the next podcast. Hopefully, I can find one or find what happened to it. Maybe he's still got it in the closet. I don't know. Andrew, what's your what's the favorite magic card in terms of flavor that you that you cast that you like? You just yep. see it and it makes you giggle or whatever. And, you know. Ugh, that really does put me on the spot. I mean, I I was kind of prepared for just a cool card that I think should be played more right now. But as far as flavor, I'd have to save that for the next episode. Fuck, this is just falling flat. All right, well, what card do you I think? Mean, here, the card I think that should be played in Legacy more is Humility. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Can that stupid Charlotte's deck beat a fucking Humility? Not in a million years, right? Yeah. Well, if you have some way to stop them attacking, I mean, if, even if they just played two one ones for three. 
God, that seems terrible. Yeah. yeah. Orm's Prayer was the classic combo. You'd have Humility, Orm's Prayer. Is that right? Or is it Orm's Cure? Fucking Orm. Hold on. Yeah, yeah Orm's, not Orm's Prayer. Like Night of Souls Betrayal, and then they can never have creatures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a deal. Uh, well, I mean, if, you know... I mean, all right, I've thought of a couple. I think I've thought of at least one. All right, have at it. Yeah. Flavor text is not Jews. Um, well, I guess it is, but... One I'd like to mention is there is no glory to be gained in the kingdom of the dead. There's no glory to be gained in the kingdom of the dead. It's not Hell's Caretaker, is it? No. Hold on. I love on. that card. You love Hell's Caretaker? Yeah. I want that. Yeah, I'm still chugging away like a reanimator thing for '93. Oh, Ancient Tomb. Yeah. Nice. Pretty sick. I haven't I like seen that. an English Ancient Tomb in like ten years. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever owned it. <laughs> we do know the Korean translation of Ancient Tomb. So with your Ancient Tomb, tap for two mana and tap a colorless and a red and cast Stranglehold, which I think is a very good card that I'd like to see more play of. Stranglehold, so that's the anti-time walk, anti-search, right? Yep. I think it's just a little bit too slow. Yeah, it's terrible, but it's, <laughs> just, it's just like, man, if you can drop that and drop it right, I don't know. The you correct know? answer to a barbarian's riddle is to choke on your cleverness and die. Well, your opponents think. can't search libraries. Yeah, that's rough justice. That's, that's pretty good in Legacy. I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, heavy cost. I think I, I think I figured mine out. All right. You might know this one. Heavy light flooded across the landscape, cloaking everything in deep crimson. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Blood Moon. Yeah, man. I see that card, and I just get stoked. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could go for... Uh, I could go for fucking Blood Moon at the GP2 with buys. Someone will punch me and tell me not to play Chalice, but... Yeah, well, you only need to win, what, five out of seven rounds? Yeah, I need to you know, in five set. I need to win five out of seven rounds. So, you know, yeah, there's some internal inconsistency with Blood Moon Stompy decks, but getting I get either Chalice or Blood Moon. I I could just mize one or the other, and maybe get 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 a bunch of free wins. I don't know. I'm gonna bring it with me. Probably be a bad idea to bring it. I should just bring one deck, but Blood Moon's awesome. Especially well, you have to bring enough things to get signed already that you might as well just bring two decks. That's true. Plus, Tom Wannerstrom works at Wizards, so, like, maybe I'll just, like, bring my Blood Moons, and then I'll just show up to their office on Monday and, like, ask for them at the front desk. Be like, Tom, Sean is here. And see if I can get him to come down and sign my Blood Moons in the in the uh, lobby. It is worth a shot. <laughs> Uh, and what are they going to do? Tell you to... <laughs> I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I'm bringing their product to their headquarters. Yeah. I mean, I've been totally unable to get this guy's signature on anything. If I show up with a stack of ghost ships and blood moons, like, the least they can do is be nice to me. I bought their shit. Uh, anyway. The card they can see more play, too, as I do want to mention, is Gloom. Because you know that I love to play. <laughs> How many glooms were on the table at that uh, GP Charlotte side event? Didn't you have three glooms? I think glooms? I had three glooms. So <laughs> I remember the Swords of Blasters cost ten. <laughs> <laughs> three glooms. 
know. It gets overlooked, I guess, but like... It's pretty quick. I, in a Jun deck, you know, Death Rite Untapped Gloom is it's pretty brutal. I don't know, you're, you're a you're a white mage, Brian. I, you know, is Terminus fair at white three? <laughs> Turns out that's just what wrath costs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it's 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 a pretty sick card. I mean, especially if you're backing it up with mana denial. And uh, I guess it's just uh, nobody plays circles of protection anymore. So, are there any white enchantments that actually hoses? I guess the gentleman's seal of cleansing certainly looks shitty against it. Yeah, but there's not really anything else. Sterling Grove. Uh, yeah. So brutal against D and T, man. I was playing a I was playing an ice storm deck and great lands, <laughs> and I just fucking took out his lands and gloomed him twice, and he just never showed back up. How about you, Brian? You got anything? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, they're getting back to a stranglehold a little bit. I think Avon Mindsets there maybe should see a little more play. That is a sneaky card, dude. That's a shyster card right there. Really good, hateful card. Sneak it in on people. Nobody plays around no it. No one plays around it, yeah. God. Did you know that if you are searching the top four cards of your library, you can still cast a Panglacial Worm located there? If you find it. <laughs> if you find it. Damn. Yeah, it's a bird wizard, too. Uh, which are a couple of good... Uh, it's a good tribe and a, and a decent job. Yeah. And he's a good Duncan sensor in Germany. Yeah, he's, he's a great man. Uh, and then I, the other card I would say is I still think Medley Mage is not played nearly enough. Yeah, I agree. I wield that cunt like a fucking razor blade. I Mage and therapy, card. you need to know what's going on, but they are so much better than the narrow cards. Yeah, I've locked, I mean, I've locked, like, workshop players out of games with meddling mages, which seems somewhat not intuitive that you want Grizzly Bear, but, like... But, yeah, sometimes, I mean, I played against a mud guy, I think, Eternal Weekend, and I just played meddling mage, stared at him, and named Metal Worker, and it turned out he had three in his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a wise man once said, name what you lose to. So, like, it's almost like... Sometimes you must name Zaki. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, the card the card has a lot of depth of play, but sometimes it's as simple as just saying, there is one card this guy has in his deck right now that I absolutely can't beat in a million years, and I will name it, and then, voila, you win the game. Yeah, if they don't have it, then you're not losing to it. So. Right, right. God, it's a god-awful shame that they put out these crappy art ones. That That's something that, um yeah, you know, like you mentioned before, Quentin Hoover's art, like, when they replace the art on an Invitational card, that is just so rude. Yeah. That's the worst, I think. <laughs> is there any Invitational card that has retained its uh, creative virginity? Let's see. How about Avalanche Riders? I love that. Show. Well, the, the uh, Void Major Prodigy, they redid, but it's another picture of Kai. Oh, he yeah, he requested it, right? Or, right. Uh, he hated that art or something. Maybe we can get him on the next podcast to talk about it. Let me see here. But Confidant got changed. Solemn got changed. Meddling Mage got changed. Uh, Shadow Mage Infiltrator recently in some set got some crappy art. 
some CGI shitbox. It looks like a Diablo. I didn't even printed it. Printed it. It's in Modern Masters 2015. Yeah. It looks like uh, Assassin's Creed promo art from a fucking PlayStation. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, how about Olay? Yeah, I just, I just put Ole Rad. Uh, I just put Ole Rad in the query of Magic Cards and expected something to come back. Sylvan Safe. Sylvan Safekeeper. Yeah. yeah. Oh Christ! Yeah. They, yeah. They they really yeah. What did they print that in? <laughs> Commander 2014. Some Lord of the Rings video game promo art. Come on, dude! It doesn't even have a spider. Terrible. The only thing in this world I envy that Greg Mitchell owns is his signed, Ole Rad signed Sylvan Safekeeper. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, I can't do anything there. Uh, I might I start. Like him. The I new one like or the old one? No, I looked like, I looked like uh, Ole when I was like a young kid. <laughs> Are you saying that you should sign my Sylvan Safekeeper? When you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm about to wrap this up. Yeah. I'd like to go to sleep. All right. Well, yeah, it is tonight. 11.30. So. Good night to everybody. And uh, Jesus, take the wheel. All right. Shabbat shalom. Adios. Later, guys.